Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm your host, James Intracasso. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the gaming industry about their careers and the games they love to play. Today's guest is Dan Dillon. Dan is a game designer who's worked on many products for the Pathfinder RPG and for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. He's currently working on the Tome of Beasts for Cobalt Press and is one of the famed Four Horsemen. He's also one of the coolest and kindest dudes working in tabletop role-playing games. You're going to love spending a little time with him. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, NobleKnight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs, any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. My product pick from Noble Knight for this episode is the Southlands Bestiary from Cobalt Press. Today's guest, Dan Dillon, had a hand in writing it. It's full of fun monsters from Cobalt's Southlands campaign setting for the Pathfinder RPG. At the time of this recording, you can grab this beautiful book for 20 bucks from Noble Knight. Let's hear a quick word from them. Hello, I'm RPG podcasting celebrity James Intracasso. As you know, my life is awesome. My gaming collection is filled with out-of-print goodies no one else can seem to get their hands on. I have plenty of free time to record podcasts, write blog posts, play games, and hunt the most dangerous game. I have tons of extra cash, which is evident in my caviar-filled swimming pool for the guest house of my third home in the Swiss Alps. And my mother is proud of me because I managed to do all this while supporting small businesses. My secret? NobleKnight.com. A brick-and-mortar game store that has a great online presence. So I feel good shopping there, but I can buy anything, anytime, just by walking to my computer. I don't even need to put on my gold-plated pants. At Noble Knight, they have new and out-of-print products at a discounted price to give me more cash for reckless celebrity activities like bear shaving. And Noble Knight will buy back the old products I'm not using anymore, which funds my tiger shaving. So, if you want more money, more free time, a better game collection, and a better you... Check out NobleKnight.com, where Out of Print is available again. And tell them Big Jimmy from the Tome Show sent you. All right, let's roll the interview with Dan. All right, everybody, I am here with the latest challenge rating 50 NPC, Dan Dillon. Dan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great today. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on Gamer to Gamer today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, totally, totally. So I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, Dan, you are working on the uh, Tome of Beasts, which is probably the most anticipated 5th edition product uh, that uh, has has come out um, since the 5th edition core rulebooks themselves, I would say. We're definitely going to get into it. We're going to talk about the Tome of Beasts. But before we get started on all that, take us all the way back to when you first <laughs> laid hands on a tabletop role-playing game. Okay, so back to the hallowed beginnings. Um, so the very first time I got my hands on a role-playing book was actually kind of by accident. Um, 
I was in, must have been third or fourth grade, and a family friend, we were visiting uh, some people, and he was just cleaning out his shelf. And he had a bunch of role-playing games. He played a, God, what did he play? He played like Torg and uh, AD&D and Shadowrun and just a ton of stuff. And he was clearing out books he didn't want anymore. And instead of just pitching them, he offered a bunch of them to me. So that's how I got my first set of AD&D books. Uh, it was the three core books and uh, Unearthed Arcana. I also got like a Second Edge Shadowrun book. And so for a couple of years, it was just me flipping through those books, looking at pictures and reading spells and, and just being inspired by all the stuff that was in there. And I would talk to my friends about it and nothing really ever came of it until about sixth grade. I was living in uh, Germany at the time on an army base, a military brat, and uh, a friend of mine that I met between fifth and sixth grade, he and his brothers played D&D. And so that's where it really kicked off. They started uh, running some games and it was nothing huge or formal. It was more like, you know, we'd get dice and we'd sit around and we'd have sleepovers and we'd just kind of tell crazy stories about the stuff our ridiculously over-the-top characters would <laughs> would get into. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's when we started you know, riding our bikes down to a yeah, this, man, this is going back. I don't even remember it. We had to ride past cornfields and wheat fields down to a store <laughs> where they had the second edition books, and we could buy those plastic tubes of the uh, the translucent dice. Oh, right, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. It was the same place we'd go to get GI Joes, but they stocked D and D books. So, <laughs> so we got our hands on the second edition books, and that's where we really started playing and actually putting characters on sheets and rolling dice to see what happened. It, it was most just that kind of, you know, messing around, pulling monsters out of the monster manual and just kind of narrating what happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, as, as we got a little older, we got more deep into the mechanics and really figuring out how it worked and what it meant. But so D&D was my, my first and best love. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you've been playing for a while. You have a really, really cool story about how you got into it. And it sounds like, it, man, it's like you could make an awesome indie movie about you <laughs> hanging out with your friends. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the harpies your that sing Duke of Earl. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Recently, I've been kind of taking stock and thinking about how the important role that gaming has played in my life, just in in basically every aspect of it now, personal, professional, uh, hobby, everything. Uh, and the biggest one is I actually met my wife through gaming. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, so hanging out at the game store way back when, that same one that keeps coming up, I, uh, I just happened to, to see pointed out to me by one of the fellows that worked there. said, you know, hey, Dan, there's a, there a girl and some, some of her friends in here. They're looking to run a vampire LARP and they need players. And so I, uh, I snagged the number off the flyer, gave her a call and, and just sort of, you know, normal struck up a conversation. Hey, you know, I love to play vampire. We can get you you know, a dozen or so players right off the bat. Why don't we meet up and talk about it? And, uh, and, and so she came down and we met and we chatted and that turned into a phone conversation later that lasted until about six in the morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just sort of meandered everywhere. And, and it, uh, I, I, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a bit of a magic moment. And, uh, so she ran the game for probably about a year that I played in with uh, just a ton of people. And then I kind of picked up helping to co-run it. And then that game ran for easily four years. Nice. Uh, Vampire live action role play. 
and uh, and and she and I started dating in the course of that, and and we've been together ever since. Wow! So, so yeah, we've been together for a total of about thirteen years now. Oh my goodness, that yeah. is huge! That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> just talking about the way that gaming uh, can influence people's lives in more ways than just playing a game, right? Right. <laughs> and, and just the 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 incredible social catalyst that it is. Well, and now you two have brought uh, other humans into the world. So yeah, uh, yeah. gaming is directly responsible for the, the, the creation of life Absolutely. in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it very much was. Uh, and actually, um, I had uh, a gaming book signed by one of its authors. It was the God Machine Chronicle from, uh, from the World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness. And uh, Philomena Young, she wrote in it, uh, thank you for making more gamers. <laughs> I got it signed at Gen Con. And, I had my kids there and they were both in costume. So that was, that, that really summed things up. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. That is a really, really great story. Then, uh, from there, right. You, you sort of have made a transition into design and what was mm -hmm. it that got you thinking, you know, it would be really <laughs> cool to, uh, be able to make this uh, a bigger part of my life. Well, so th there's quite a gap between, you know, starting to mess around with role-playing games and then getting into actually writing and designing for it. Um, uh, in the interim, uh, second half of high school, uh, when my dad retired from the army, we moved to Indiana uh, where he started teaching at Rose Hulman Institute of Technology. And at, in Terre Haute, I started hanging out at a shop called the Game Closet, which uh, I'm pretty sure you've heard Steve Helt talk about before. Yeah, yeah. Because that is where I met Steve Helt. Oh, okay. And so we used to we used to hang at the game store and we'd play, you know, just reach into a, a grab bag, pick a game, we played it. Huh. Uh, and, and, you know, just we just had a great time. And so fast forward a bunch of years later, he's moved off to Oklahoma doing his thing over there. I'm in Indianapolis now. And uh, we're friends over Facebook. And he had won RPG Superstar after being involved in that scene for a while. And so he uh, started putting together this uh, kind of just like reaching out to see if people wanted to jump in on a freelance kind of collective project uh, that he was working on for rogue genius games and Owen Stevens. Oh, wow. And uh, so he started talking about doing the definitive book on golems because golems are a, a cool creature type, but they're a little easy to kind of pigeonhole into just a big brick of hit points and damage. They're not necessarily very fun fights all the time. Right. And so he wanted to come up with, let's make a bunch of golems that do cool things and have interesting powers that you can use in different ways rather than just stand there and let's beat on each other until someone falls over. Um, and, and so I wasn't, part of that until seeing his Facebook discussions of it, I just started riffing ideas, you know, and I threw out, you know, what does a tooth fairy do with all the teeth they take? Well, they glue them together into tooth golems. <laughs> how, about a, how about an Oculus golem made of eyeballs with a gaze attack and it can rip people's eyes out to heal itself. And, and he said, all right, you either have to stop talking or you have to come and get in on this <laughs> because I'm stealing your ideas if you don't come write them. And so that's how it started. And that was a couple of years ago and it was just sort of on a whim. And, uh, I said, you know, sure. Sounds fun. I'll write a couple of monsters. And at that time he was working with, uh, Stephen Rowe, who is another friend of mine that I met at the game closet way back when. And, uh, and another designer, Jillian Frazier, and they were, 
starting to put together some adventures and looking at adventure path ideas, working for a third party publisher. And they kind of came up with this joke name of being the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but there was only three of them. And so they decided to hold like a little mini design contest amongst some, some, you know, smaller up and coming designers that they knew uh, to add a fourth because they were missing a death. And <laughs> I, I decided to, take a shot at it and throw my hand in the ring and, and the rest is history. And now I'm, now I'm death of the four horsemen. So, <laughs> so that's, that's how I got my start. It was just kind of basically a long history of coming up with what I think are cool stories and cool creatures and fun magic items and just using those in my, uh, my, my hobby all the time. And then having the good fortune to know some really talented people and and also being fortunate enough for them to recognize that I have some good ideas occasionally and to ask me to contribute and to kind of put myself out there and, and give it a shot. And and so now here I am. Well, that's amazing. And it's I, I love the Four Horsemen. I love talking to Steve. I love talking with you. Um, <laughs> it's such a cool concept uh, of, of, you know, four really great designers getting together, each with their own strengths that complement each other. Uh, what do you think made you the perfect fit to be uh, death? I think one of my, as a designer, one of one of my biggest strengths is um, I, I have this philosophy in gaming. You'll see it a lot where where some people are just really into the crunching mechanics, and then you have other people who say, "Oh, you know that that stuff is secondary. You should just take or leave it. What matters is the story, the narrative. We're here to tell a story." Um, I, I try to get into the middle of that, and I think it's incredibly important that you know strong story. And uh, cogent mechanics, they have to work together to, to form a, a single unit. Now, not to say that there's anything wrong with low mechanic systems or uh, even if you just want to do a, a kick in the door, crunch fest, let's see how many monsters we can kill before they bring us down. Those are fun. But I think role-playing really shines when you have powerful story, compelling characters, and you reflect that with uh, strong mechanics that define, you know, how the world works. The, the mechanics, the way I see it, are sort of like the laws of physics of the game world. Right. And they shouldn't always take center stage because you've always got to have to have an eye on fun. And the whole point of this is to tell stories. So there, there has to be interplay and they have to uh, influence one another. And that, I think, is one of my greatest strengths is I'm always looking for ways to make the mechanics awesome but to do it in a way that enables us to tell great stories. Right. Right. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. And you see that in a lot of your work. I also like that, you know, you're, you're one of the big fifth edition guys on that team. As oh, well. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it you love about fifth edition D and D? Gosh, uh, I'll tell you, there is just something magical about five. E. Um, when third edition came out, what 2000 I guess is when when, when 30 came out yeah uh we saw the teaser material for that and we started incorporating you know just the stuff they sent in pamphlets to game stores to start pumping us up and make us salivate for the player's handbook uh we started taking that teaser material and incorporating it into our second ed games and it was awesome so even before the core book came out, we were using the sorcery rules. We were using, you know, spontaneous casting. Clerics don't have to prepare cure spells anymore. And it was just, it was mind-blowing. It was a revelation. And I thought at the time, well, this is it. This is the best D&D could ever be. <laughs> you know, jump 15 years later, 
I realized that when you get that granular with the mechanics, when you get that far into the crunch where you define everything, you run the risk of leaving some of the fantastic, the wondrous, the cool elements, particularly of magic. You kind of leave those behind if you're not careful. And I think third edition, the whole third edition era suffered from that a bit. Uh, magic items in particular, they just didn't feel special anymore after you've been at it for a while. You know, you don't organically grow your pool of magic items, if you know what I mean, based on what you found in the adventure. And you might have this item that makes no sense for your character build, but it's something that you found and it's cool. So you use it. Now it's, you tailor make, you know, you need your, your boots for your dex bonus and you need your amulet for your con. <laughs> and, and that was sort of a core assumption of, of the way characters grew. Fifth edition has built all of that character growth into your class, into your character itself. So magic items can now be those other weird things that you just find, right? Whatever you happen to come up with in the story, whatever happens to cross your path, that's the artifact that you found. That's the relic that, that you have to use to, you know, survive all of these encounters and all of this stuff happening. And recapturing some of that, just the special feeling of magic items without getting rid of that tight, uh, the, 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 the rules upgrades from second to third. Um, so that's where fifth edition is special to me. They have kept that rule, the, the mechanics upgrade, but they have kind of shaved the corners down enough that you don't need all of that excess number baggage and you can do special, fun, narrative, flavorful things within this very streamlined framework. I think it's an elegant system and they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. It is, you know, they, they set out with this goal of we're going to play test for as long as it takes and we're going to make the edition that unites all the great ideas across editions and i really think that they they achieve that goal you know there's even um things in fourth edition that i thought were good like at will uh you know spell powers for spellcasters and things like that that were brought into this that really just make the game super fun super easy to learn super easy to dm and improv and you know do stuff with your friends on the fly and like you said making magic items special again it really it feels great to give a player a magic item now and it used to be uh, you know, go pick a magic item that, because I don't have time to search through 300 pages and you need one for your bonus and yada yada. Now it feels like it's fun as a DM to give it out, too. Third edition magic item shopping was the worst thing ever. I just, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, but uh, you're exactly right. There are, there are so many just like here and there little great ideas that got their start in fourth edition. And I, I'm happy that they carried forward into fifth. Um, I, I will say full disclosure, I was not the biggest fan of fourth edition. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, when it came out, and this is this is something that the designers of uh, D&D have admitted, that the third edition era in particular, they were putting out so much product, you know, so many hardback books in a year that people would only be able to use, what, about 20% was the, the kind of rough estimate they threw out there. Right. You only use about 20% of the material they presented. And so fourth edition comes out, and I'm looking at my shelf of, of third edition stuff, and I'm like, I haven't even scratched the surface. You know, I'm not ready to change to a new edition just yet. And so that kind of – the timing was bad for me in particular and uh, compounded with some other things I didn't quite care for in the fourth edition player's handbook. Just kept me in third. Yeah. 3-5 Pathfinder. Uh, <laughs> 
And then by the time fifth came out, I started to see, okay, now I understand why they went from three to four, uh, partially because of that source book glut, right? Because <laughs> there was just so much material. Oh, totally. But it's funny, you know, in the small time fourth was out, it had the same exact problem. You know, the, yes. the character builder, if you went in that, there were over 8,000 magic items. There were over 4,000 feats there, you know, and that. Absolutely. So it did seem like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to fix some problems, but I think fifth just really brought it to to a new level where they actually addressed those things. And I think fourth was great. It felt like, um, you know, in the sense that it was good for the development overall of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they tested some ideas and I do think they pulled the cream of those ideas out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just spending three hours on an epic level combat and in fourth edition was... Not fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, it be, became a slog. Um, and certainly other things that we could get into, I'm sure, for, for hours and hours picking it yeah. apart. But let's talk about you because that's why we're here. So, sure. Dan, one other thing that I've noticed about you is, you know, you are all over the Facebook groups um, and social media, Twitter and stuff for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and it's awesome. I feel like you're the kind of community member we need more of well, in these you. places. Um, you're always giving great advice when people are asking for things. It's like, oh, hey, that's that's Dan who's giving that really <laughs> great comment that has 26 likes and is being upvoted, um, <laughs> which is always a good thing to see. And I also see that you're not afraid to necessarily engage with people who, I mean, it's the internet and they're everywhere. They're not just on D&D forums. You know, they're, they're, they're out there uh, talking, making YouTube comments on cooking videos and stuff like that too. Um, you know, sometimes people will have something to say that is a little more inflammatory just for the sake of being inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you manage to engage in a way that is classy and uh, it, like you're, you're not feeding into what they want you to do. You're not exploding. You're not being outraged. But you are also giving an appropriate response. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know that I really admire that about you, that you have the ability to approach situations like that. Well, thank you. That, that actually means a lot to me to hear that. I appreciate it. Um, no, I, I love rules discussions, right? I, I love talking about this game, any game, really, uh, D&D in particular. And uh, those, like the the D and D fifth edition Facebook group that I'm part of, uh, it's a great place to just riff ideas and see what other people think, and, and just get differing viewpoints other than my own. I, I, as you may have noticed, if you see some of my discussions, I can have some pretty strong opinions. But you're right; I do try to be uh, at least respectful of other people's point of view. And if they don't play the game the same way I do, that's that's fine, right? you take the game, you make it your own. If it works at your table, who's anyone to tell you you're doing it wrong? That's ridiculous. I I really enjoy discussion and getting new information. And and a lot of times I'll, I'll see something and I'll just be like, you know what? I never thought of that. I'm going to have to try that out and see how it works. Maybe that's going to be something that changes the way I play. And, and that's the cool thing about this is it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And you really seem to encourage the positive growth um, within the community, which is amazing. Let's talk a little bit about how you do play your games. Um, sure. What are you What are you playing right now? What games are you playing in your home? Uh, what's your campaign like? Are you the DM? 
so currently I am not the DM. Uh, okay. Right now I'm playing in a 5th edition campaign run by a very good friend of mine. Um, actually a fella I met just after I moved to Terre Haute. Uh, in junior year of high school. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I actually got into his game. So so I got on the bus, right? And I see some people trading magic cards. And I hadn't been into magic at this point, but I was aware of it. And so I struck up a conversation and said, hey, I see you guys playing magic. Do you happen to play Dungeons and Dragons? Because some people I knew from where I used to live, they used to play both. And and one of them, my my neighbor, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm playing in a D&D game. Uh, I'll talk to the DM. Maybe he'll want to add a new player. And so he did. And now he's been my best friend for 21 years. So, <laughs> and he is, uh, he is currently running the campaign I'm playing in. Uh, we are playing in the Grand Duchy of Karamekos. And uh, most people will know it as Mistara, but we're actually going a bit grognardy here. We're in pre-Mistara known world. Wow. So, because the, they changed a lot of things up when the, when the, they kind of packaged it up and branded it Mistara. Uh, <laughs> so, wow, that uh, is, that is like super grognard is yeah, good for you guys. Yeah, that, I have to, I have to rein in my tendencies a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've started to notice that, uh, I maybe pine a little too much for the old days now and then, but, uh, <laughs> but no, so we're playing in the Grand Duchy of Karamekos and I'm playing a fiend, uh, Pact of the Tome Warlock. Oh, nice! And uh, it's 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 pretty awesome. Uh, I'm liking it a lot. Uh, we actually just had a session last night. It was fantastic. We added a new player uh, and got his character's prelude done. So we got to see a bunch of his background. It was it was very well handled. Oh, that's uh, awesome! So what? Uh, first of all, everybody should follow you on Twitter because you tweet out game night quotes, um, <laughs> <laughs> which are hilarious. It sounds like you guys have an amazing time. What? Uh, w- tell us a little bit about your character. Um, you know, what is this person like? Sure. Uh, so my character is uh, his name is Faustus Glavius Vorloi. Uh, he's a Thyadian, which if you think you know Empire of Rome, you're pretty close. Uh, he's a jeweler by trade. Nice, and uh, nice. visually, he's kind of inspired by Varys from Game of Thrones. So he's corpulent, a little stocky, uh, shaves his head bald, um, you know, a little bit of an effete manner. Uh, and he uh, he was hoping for greatness, but uh, his father never really saw eye to eye with him. Uh, he was His father's a master jeweler in the city of Thyatis, so, you know, Rome analog. Uh, but his father was more like a uh, lower class that had designs on joining the gentry. And he had the money to do it by being a successful jeweler, but he did not have the ability to blend with that crowd. And if you don't have it, you'll never have it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, totally. And so Faustus tried to kind of end around and, and managed to make his own way in there. Uh, things kind of went bad. Uh, he fell in with a bad crowd after making connections with a senator. He had it lined up that he was going to be set. He was going to make some custom pieces for patricians and really just get his foot in the door. His father misunderstood, thought that he had, you know, gambled away priceless pieces of jewelry, wouldn't listen to his explanations and packed him off for the hinterlands. Cause he didn't want to deal with them anymore. <laughs> Sent him across the sea to the primordial forest, the, the grand duchy of Karamekos. So, uh, somewhat bitterly Faustus went, tried to make his way there, tried to take a few shortcuts, ended up falling in with some people who were uh, just using him. And it turned out they were using him as bait to trap a night hag. 
and he was left for dead after they used him to to draw the hag out with the promise of a fresh soul, right? So uh, he was drugged, left for dead, you know, dying on the forest floor. Uh, the hag, who'd had her eyes taken for some sort of magical research component, uh, basically kept him alive, and the hag coven spared his life and offered him power in exchange for help getting revenge on the people who maimed their sister. Oh, yeah. So uh, so he signed the book in his own blood, like with his dying breath, not really knowing what he was getting into. And uh, one of the arcs we're doing right now is I'm. it's actually starting to come to fruition. This is the effect of all of this stuff you've been doing. It's having a real negative effect on the world. Do you want to keep doing this or do you want to try and find a way out? And that's that's been a really cool cool thing to, to do. Um, so we've got a, we've got a cool group. We have people who are native to Traladara, the sort of like, um, it's got a real world analog. It's kind of like, uh, medieval Hungary, you know, Eastern Europe, the primordial Transylvanian type forest vampires often the, you know, living in the shadows. Uh, and then you have the more civilized cities that are trying to bring enlightenment and spread that out amongst the, uh, the, the so-called heathens. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a mix. We have a mix of people who are native to this land and people who are from the empire. And we had some personality clashes and that's grown over time. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, The DM has really outdid himself uh, setting this game up. Nice, nice. So what is a typical session for you guys? Like, uh, you know, are are you a lot of role players? Are you a lot of... um, combat enthusiasts uh do you like uh setting off traps are you are you mischievous do you have like infighting is it more like a soap opera uh you know what's what's hmm. kind of a typical session like or is there no typical session uh, we we tend to have uh phases i guess you could say uh and it, it more depends on what storyline or what adventure is running at the time sometimes we'll have a more combat oriented mindset because we're doing say a dungeon crawl type adventure or uh you know maybe we'll have a, a stealth and intrigue one because we're infiltrating the keep to try and retrieve a stolen artifact and we decide not to you know draw out the entire army by attacking the front gate um <laughs> And so it really just sort of depends. As far as the players, uh, this group is fantastic. Uh, They're pretty flexible, and they can go any which way. And we all have a pretty strong eye toward what makes our characters tick. And so we can react to whatever situation pretty readily. Uh, we've got some, we've got some warlike dudes. We've got people who are more into trying to avoid a fight through a silver tongue. Uh, we've got, <laughs> we have a, a slightly crazy wild sorcerer who, you know, he shakes things up every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> uh, recently, our last few sessions have been very role-play heavy, uh, basically no combat. So we've done a lot of kind of narrative wrap-up from the previous arc of the campaign. We're, we're just on the cusp of level 10, which is kind of like a tone shift in the game. So we're moving into sort of a different phase of our character's growth. Uh, totally. We're becoming we're becoming well known, influential people, and we're dealing with a lot of that at the moment. <laughs> so we've had a lot of you know meeting with nobility, meeting with uh, other more powerful people who are starting to notice us, and and we're having influence. So that's what uh, that's what a lot of our recent sessions have been. A lot of role play, uh, a lot of exposition for the new player. Uh, it's been it's been fun, kind of recapping and getting him up to speed. 
That's excellent. Yeah, it's always fun when someone new joins the group. You get to sort of rediscover your excitement for the game you're playing. Along those lines, you said you did a, a prelude for your new character who joined you last night. Uh-huh. Uh, what's that like? Uh, well, how, how do you run those preludes? Well, uh, so the way we've done it, and everybody had one actually. Uh, the the four of us that the four of us players that started the game, we each had uh, a prelude session, and it was probably a, a good half the session devoted to one character. And it's sort of like we played out our backgrounds. You know, some people will write a background story. This is my character. This is where I came from. This is where I grew up. Blah, 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 right? We actually played through that as a mini session, sort of solo. And then all of the preludes converged to where the party met and got together. And it was extremely well handled by our dungeon master and, and my hat is off for him and, and I'm going to start doing this in my own games. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, It sounds amazing. (laughs) So like that whole thing I said, having the fight with my father after, you know, I thought I was going to be on easy street and being shipped off to the woods and then being betrayed that I played that, that was all role played out. So it took a couple hours. Um, and everybody got the same treatment, and it was really, really cool. We all had uh, a diverse set of backgrounds, you know, little B background, and uh, it was just so cool seeing where these characters came from because then you have that in your head when they're role-playing, and it's so much uh, richer when you have that context, when you understand where they came from. Yeah, I am uh, absolutely stealing that for my games as well. No, I highly recommend it. <laughs> very, very worth it. And, you know, because all, all of our uh, preludes were seeded with NPCs and story threads that have, you know, become important later in the game. Uh, so when you are uh, are playing uh, and you have something that you want to play test, do you get a group together or do you ask the uh, your DM to run it for your group? Uh, when I want to play test something, uh, which I've, I've done for, for a, a fair bit of stuff, I will usually run it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask people, you know, I'll just kind of fire out to, you know, four to five, however many people I need, uh, friends around, Hey, I've got this adventure that I've written and, uh, I need to get it play tested. Who's interested, right? They, you know, I've got four slots. Speak up, and, and then I'll you know I'll, I'll cobble a group together, and then we'll we'll get together on a weekend, and we'll we'll play it out and see how it goes. And it's worked out really really well so far. And I cannot stress enough: if you're going to design things, playtest is worth its weight in gold. Yes, yeah. And why do you think that is? So anyone who's run any amount of role playing game, you'll know that sometimes something works on paper and gets you real excited, but then once the dice hit the table, it just didn't go the way you thought it would, right? Mm-hmm. Either it was a frog stomp and your your bad guys just got trounced, or if you're thinking, oh, geez, how do I pull this out? I did not mean to TPK them here. That <laughs> That is just <laughs> not fair, right? And so it, particularly if you're going to be releasing published work for purchase, people kind of trust and there's an expectation that the things you're producing will work for what it's packaged as. So if something is a CR5 monster, you would expect it to be an appropriate challenge for that level. And if you just threw something together and haven't play tested it, haven't seen how it works, then you can't really be sure of that. And so that's uh, the, and plus sometimes something that you've written will work in your head, even like a, a narrative point or a, a you know, it, maybe just an element of the adventure or a mystery or a puzzle in particular, you'll think, oh, this riddle's easy. 
but anyone not on your particular logic train may not be able to figure it out. So <laughs> I'd have to adjust. Yeah, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I think, you know, a lot of times you can look at it and the math can all be right. It can make sense on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to get it out there in the field and you need to see. And I also like the idea of showing it to other people because I feel like we sometimes as designers or, or DMs, write things in shorthand uh, that we think is going to make sense to everybody. And then we realize, oh, no, this probably needs to be spelled out a little more for it to work as intended. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's a good point because you never know how someone is going to read your work and if they're really going to get what you were putting there because it came out of your head. You know what you meant. Having someone else run it is incredibly valuable, but time consuming. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 it definitely is. So speaking of time consuming, what else is taking up your time these days? What sort of uh, other games are you playing right now? Well, let's see. Uh, as far as role-playing games, I just have the one. Mm-hmm. Sure. One is uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, uh, you know, two kids, that's <laughs> my time is – most of my time is spoken for. Uh, but as far as other games, I do some video gaming on the side. Uh, you nice. know, I have some consoles. I have some PCs. Uh, I have been playing quite a bit of Star Wars Battlefront lately. Excellent. Uh, that, that has had my attention. Also a little bit of League of Legends with some friends of mine. And uh, actually just last night a buddy of mine was talking about kicking Diablo 3 back up again. So we might might burn some hours Ooh. there. <laughs> nice, nice. Those are some awesome games that you're, uh, you're playing. Yeah. So, And it sounds like you enjoy the, uh, the community and group experience of playing a game with other people even when it is a video game. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, recently, even playing MMOs uh, occasionally when I get into those. That's why I do it. I like playing with a group of friends and creating a guild and doing doing all that stuff. Yeah, those are those are fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about some of the other things taking up your time uh, right now. What are you working on? Uh, you mentioned the the big one earlier, Toma Beasts. Uh, yeah. So at this very moment, I don't have any work happening for the Tome of Beasts. That was a giant push just at the end of last year. I got most of my work uh, squared away for that. Uh, that is a massive undertaking, and uh, <laughs> Cobalt is pulling out all the stops. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, uh, amazing. I've been, uh, as a backer, right, playtesting some of the, the creatures and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, they're so cool. And my players are uh, are about to go up against the uh, Jotun. Uh, so I am very, very excited. To, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's been a blast. Uh, even in, in playtest form, uh, these creatures are awesome. And they're so, they're not just cookie cutter, you know, oh, we, we took this and we, we made a new dragon and it's got a breath weapon and it's got a, like, they have some crazy abilities that are really, really fun. Uh, me and my players are having an awesome time with them. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Designing monsters for the Tome of Beasts has been one of the most fun things I've done yet. Uh, A couple of them got previewed, uh, like the Queen of Night and Magic, the the Fae Lords and Ladies. I'm particularly proud of them. I hope they work out well. Um, Some of the dragons, like you mentioned, the Void Dragon, I think that got previewed. That was another one that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, yeah, there there are some crazy abilities in there that are going to shake things up a bit. Yeah, we used the uh, the the void dragon, I guess, two weeks ago in our game, and uh, all its sort of 
different gravity abilities and things like that. So, so cool. Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Those, those were fun to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So what else are you working on right now? Okay. So, uh, Tomo Beast aside, I, I have another project that I'm working on right now for uh, an upcoming deadline for Cobalt Press. I don't think they've announced it, so I'm not going to let that particular cat out of the bag, gotcha. but I will well, say... Well, if you'd like to announce I, it here I, on Gamer uh, to Gamer, it's... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll, have che- I'll have to check with the Cobalt and Chief before I do anything like that. Of course. Uh, what I can say uh, is that it's another 5th edition character resource, player character resource, so awesome. it's going to be uh, another good pool of new PC options, and nice. I hope I hope it's going to be... Uh, as well as it seems to be shaping up. That's uh, so that's really that's cool. going on for Cobalt. Um, I've got more stuff in the near future for them. Uh, in fact, given the new Dungeon Masters Guild, I may be looking at doing some Al-Kadim updates. Ooh, I like that quite so a lot. That's Yeah, Al-Kadim is in a death grip with Ravenloft for my all-time favorite setting, so this is a very exciting time for me. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, you must be happy as a kid in a candy store right now. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. can't, can't wait for Curse of Strahd. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a, a fantastic adventure. But I also, I did like the possibilities when they were talking during the AMA about Al-Kadim, all these other settings that have, you know, now been set in the Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. really opens the door wide for uh, for people who, who love those things to take them on. You know, uh, Wolfgang was on last week on the roundtable and we talked about, you know, we were basically trying to browbeat him into <laughs> academe setting so uh, well uh i think you will be pleased then (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah yeah so we we know he loves it it's great to know that you love it and you'll be working on it i have no doubt that whatever comes out uh will be will be amazing what how did you react to the dm's guild announcement uh so i saw the announcement on twitter i think Mm -hmm. and i immediately went to my four horsemen facebook chat and just started Hang it away in all caps. <laughs> <You know? laughs> OGL, OGL, ah! <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, that's just exciting because that that makes it so much clearer for third-party publishers on what they can do and how easily they can make it happen. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited about that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really going to be a big boon for everybody, and I think it fits with, well, you know, the Wizards of the Coast lighter release schedule as well. It's kind of like, okay, well, in between these big books, I have other things that I can explore and, and new things to generate ideas and bring into my game and new resources for players to check out. Um, it's it's right. certainly great. And opening up the realms to people uh, is huge. It's huge. That is crazy good. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I'm. Uh, I assume we may see Ravenloft added to the DM's Guild list at some point. So they've talked about expanding that as well. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it at some point. But I think I think we're going to see for a while. I would expect to see nothing but Forgotten Realms on DM's Guild. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's that slow and steady model. Uh, yeah. It seems to be working out for them. So. Probably shouldn't change it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I know some people are chomping at the bit for more stuff. Uh, I'm, I personally am fairly happy with the, the state of release, the pace of release at this point. Yeah, you know, and, and to that I always say, if there's something you want, there's no reason you can't make it. That's what makes D&D awesome, right? Certainly now, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, yeah, you can even put your work up for sale. So uh, it's super, super easy. 
I've been doing a lot of work for Cobalt Press, which is extremely exciting because, you know, I look over at my shelf and I see, oh, look, this thing by Wolfgang Bauer. Oh, look, that thing by Wolfgang Bauer. <laughs> oh, here's Wolfgang Bauer asking me to write something. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've got some other great stuff working with some great publishers. Legendary Games. Yes. Uh, uh, they've been doing their Legendary Planet Adventure Path. Uh, and I have the privilege to be working with Fifth Ed Conversions. Of, yes. uh, of that adventure path, so uh, so that's that's been happening. The uh, the Prelude Adventure, the Assimilation Strain, mm-hmm. uh, a player's guide which has some new kind of alien type races that are available for use with that uh, with that campaign setting, uh, as well as the first actual adventure in the path itself to worlds unknown. Those are available now, and I'm eagerly awaiting the manuscript for the next one to to work on the next installment. Uh, and additionally, uh, Zombie Sky Press just completed a Kickstarter for the Fairy Ring for uh, yes. Pathfinder in 5th Edition. And I'm going to uh, – I have the privilege to be working on the 5th Edition side of that as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, when the funding shakes out on that and we get to start getting into the, the nuts and bolts. Awesome. And tell people a little bit about the, the Fairy Ring. What is that? Uh, the Fairy Ring is just – I mean if you need fae, if, if you like fae and fairy creatures and fairy tales, then this is the cure for what ails you. It's going to have fae lords and fae ladies and new playable fae races of, of all different stripes of dark and light and shades of gray in between. Uh, there's going to be campaign setting and planar information and – uh, all kinds of PC options and adventures, and it's they're really pulling out all the stops on this one. It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, looking forward to that release as well. So you sort of have your hands in in everything awesome in uh, role playing uh, games right now. A, a bit. I'm I'm extremely grateful for what I'm getting to be a part of. Uh, not to mention uh, Playground Adventures. I don't know if you've heard about uh, what they're doing these days. I have not. Uh, Playground Adventures is run by a friend of mine named BJ Hensley, and she set this up to run uh, kid-friendly Pathfinder stuff, basically. So they're doing uh, – they've got, I think, three, maybe four kid-friendly Pathfinder adventures. Um, the one of the, the first was called Pixies in the Playground, uh, and I'm, I'm starting to work on uh, uh, Fifth Ed Conversion for those as well. So uh, that uh, – Stephen Rowe uh, wrote – Pixies in the Playground, and it's uh, been extremely well-received. Nice, nice. That's really, really cool. Uh, You have a super awesome life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to all of your releases. Um, You know, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast definitely are going to see your work because they've already funded the Tome of Beasts. So those are the things that that you're working on and and how people can check you out and everything. Uh, If people want to learn more about Dan Dillon, Mm -hmm. uh, where should they go? What should they do? Well, uh, I'm on Facebook, so uh, you just uh, you can look me up on there at uh, facebook.com slash daniel.p.dillon. That's D-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at, at Dan underscore Dylan underscore one, numeral one. Uh, and then we have the Four Horsemen uh, blog that runs on d20pfsrd.com. Uh, every week, one of the one of the four horsemen writes a blog post on on a various topic that are kind of grouped by month. And uh, upcoming here, my uh, monthly 
uh, contribution to the blog is going to start shifting to more fifth ed content. Whereas previously it was, you know, obviously being on D20 PFSRD was uh, geared toward Pathfinder. But now that uh, John Reist has opened a 5e SRD website, we're going to start leveraging and taking some advantage of that, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really so you can uh, they can keep up with that on fourhorsemanofficial.com and also the Four Horsemen Official on Facebook. Excellent, excellent. So we will make sure that uh, all of that is linked over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do, and thank you for coming on Gamer to Gamer today. Hey, thank you so much for having me here, James. This is awesome. People, if you have a question or comment about the show, you can reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso, or you can go to the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the fifth edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks to Dan for being on the show. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner and Sam Dillon. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Remember, never give up. Life is a game. Eventually, you gotta roll a 20.